Welcome to Fearless Marketing for Life Coaches. I'm Simone Soul, and I'm here to teach you how to get your life coaching practice fully booked without having to pay for ads, buying Instagram followers, or complicated sales funnels. It's not rocket science, and you can do it too. Listen on to find out how. Hello, friends. Today, I want to talk to you about six-figure launch secrets. You know, I did just kind of pause and turn around and realize that I did three six-figure launches this year so far. And I started with a 100K launch, and then I followed it up with a 200K launch, and then I followed that up with a 300K launch, all in the span of, let's see, six months within this year. So that's a lot of launches and it's a lot of money. And it got me to really pause and reflect on what it is that allowed me to create such huge launches in such a short time period when I had done zero launches before. I primarily focused on serving people one-on-one. I wanted to record this episode in a way where it's useful for everybody wherever you are in the coaching business journey. You could just be starting out, I want this episode to be useful for you, or you could be focused on growing your one-on-one coaching practice, and I want this to be useful for you. And if you are actually at a place where you are considering launching a group program or a course, I want this to be useful for you. It all applies. These are universal principles. So I looked back and asked myself, so what were my secrets? What was the main thing that drove me to create this six-figure launch success? And if I'm being honest, it's not entirely accurate to say that there is one or two or even three secrets that I did this one thing or I did these three things and that was everything. Because, you know, the truth is that it's never just one thing or three things or even 10 things. It's a lot of things working in confluence. But I did really try to find the thread, right? Like what would be the most truthful thread to find in all the things that I did that if you were to use it as a guidepost, a lighthouse, it would also serve you in creating the kind of results that I did. Not that your business should look like mine or that its outcomes should look like mine, but that you could reach the next stepping stone, the next milestone that extraordinary and wonderful for you. So here's what I came up with. My number one six-figure launch secret is always being obsessed with making my people's lives better. This is it. I was always obsessed with making my people's lives better. And I'm going to elaborate on this and help you to kind of contextualize it in your own circumstance and to be able to apply it pragmatically wherever you are. But for now, stay with me for a minute. Being obsessed with making my people's lives better means for me, as a marketing coach, as a business coach, I was always thinking about what people are struggling with and why, and why whatever they're currently doing is not working, and what I might come up with for them that would make that easier. I just saw the evidence all around me you know, in the free Facebook group that I run, and even just on my social media feed. I'm friends with lots of life coaches. I follow a lot of them. Their stuff comes up on my feed. 
And it's like, I can see and hear where they are struggling, what feels difficult, where they are stuck, where they're having trouble making progress. I mean, not to mention my own sessions with my clients. If coming up with something to say on social media feels hard for somebody, why? I thought about that. Why is it hard for them to think of what to say on social media? How are they thinking so that they get stuck on this? Why is this happening? What are the assumptions that they have? What are the beliefs they have? That keeps them kind of grinding their wheels and waiting for some, for some understanding to land before they, they can, they can go out there and serve their people and make offers. If coaches, I would see this all the time. They're just not feeling motivated to work, even though they really care about coaching and they really care about the people they serve. If you're not sure, if you're not feeling motivated to market, why, 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 why? I was like that annoying kid. I actually was this annoying kid. <laughs> as an actual kid who just always asked the grown-ups around me, why? Why is this happening? Why is that person stuck? Why is that person thinking that way? Why is this person writing this way? Why is this person creating their Instagram graphics this way? Why are they wasting time writing and rewriting and rewriting their Instagram bio? Like I would just keep asking myself, why, why, why? Because until I understood the why, I wouldn't be able to come up with a solution that's better than the one they already had. Because if their solution that they already had is working, then what they were doing would be working and it's not. So I constantly pushed myself to think about like, what are their problems? Where do they want to go? What's keeping them? And what are their existing set of tools and understandings and assumptions that got them to where they are, but isn't enough to push them through to the next stage? And what would be the thing that would push them to the next stage? So just becoming obsessed with problem solving on their behalf. Now, if you've been listening to me, if you've been following me for a while, this isn't news, right? That being obsessed with problem solving for your clients, for your people, whatever it is, that's going to be the key to your success because hello, regardless of what whoever else tells you, what makes you in high demand? What makes your product, service, course, mastermind, coaching, whatever in high demand is you having amazing high value solutions. That really is it. It's that simple. I have a book on my bookshelf that I bought eons ago called Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. It's by a guy called Cal Newport who wrote a blog that was very popular once upon a time when dinosaurs roamed the earth, when blogs were very popular. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he's still like out and doing things. But I used to follow him a long time ago when he had a popular blog and he wrote a few books that I really liked. And there's one that still remains on my bookshelf. It's called Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. And the truth is, as a coach, if your solution is so good, they can't ignore you. If you know that the quality of what you are offering goes above and beyond the quality of what everybody else is offering, of course, everybody's going to jump at your offer. And instead of thinking about how to make what we offer super high quality, we think about how to dress it up, how to package it up, how to market it right so that more people will bite. When your level of thinking is so high, you could try to hide that shit and it won't be hidden. Like it'll be so obvious. You don't have to worry about how to convince people that you're good when you actually are good. It just seeps through from your pores. It just leaks out of your energy. Trust me. 
And because I created the best solution in the market, because I created something that doesn't exist, that answers to people's, you know, frustrations and, and where they're stuck in ways that haven't been presented before, because I created that, I mined for all of that from my brain, you know, when I went and did my launches, the demand was immense and the responses were immediate. And I was able to sell basically as much of it as I wanted. So it almost sounds too simple, too simplistic for it to be the answer, right? Be obsessed with making your people's lives better. Because when you are obsessed, you will create the best solution. You you will be the best brain for solving that problem. And people, of course, want to pay the brain that has the best solutions for the problem. So instead of just leaving it like that, which is kind of conceptual, right? Like be obsessed with making your people's lives better. I broke it down to sort of three steps to how to do that. How exactly do you become obsessed with making your people's lives better? And then actually be the one that creates the best solutions, right? And by the way, when I say making people's lives better, I do mean the the clients that you serve. For example, if you are a relationship coach, then you would be obsessed with how to make your people's relationships better. If you are a money coach, you'd be obsessed with how to help people have more money, um, et cetera, et cetera. So it's with your particular clientele that you chose. And if you are a general life coach, it would be literally how to make people's lives better because that's your job all across all respects, across all areas of life in what are the common strategies that make people's lives better. Amazing, right? If you are an anxiety coach or a PTSD coach or a depression coach or, you know, something like that, then you become obsessed with making the relief that you provide for those clients better and better. How do you do it even better? right? And it could be the same solution. How do I present it differently? How do I talk about this concept differently so it lands better? So this is how you can kind of apply it to your situation. And so here are the three things. The three steps to be effective at making your people's lives better. The first step is to ask yourself high quality questions. You just heard me ask lots of questions just in this one episode, right? Why are they stuck? What are they thinking? What makes them do that? What's keeping them from doing that other thing? Right? Like, how are they feeling in this moment? How do you get them to feel something different? Why isn't this particular story resonating? Why aren't they responsive to when I say that? Right? Like, all of these questions are examples of high quality questions that lead to high quality answers. I got this concept of high quality questions from someone that I love and admire very much, Susan Hyatt, the life coach. And it's a concept that she created. I don't know if other people said it too, but I learned it from her. The difference between high quality questions and low quality questions. So low quality questions might be something like, why isn't this working? Or I just can't figure it out. Like, why aren't people responding to me? Or how am I ever going to get all of this done? Why is this so hard, right? Like you can ask questions, but to me, high quality questions come from a different kind of emotion than low quality questions. Low quality questions often come from emotions like anxiety or frustration, 
low-quality questions, they often masquerade as high-quality questions. So for example, a lot of people ask themselves like, why isn't my niche working, right? Like that sounds like a very legitimate question, but it actually is a low-quality question because the, the emotion underlying it is like this frustration of like, why isn't it working? And it assumes that it isn't working. And that's like an unquestioned shitty assumption that's built into the question. Or another question that might sound like a high quality question, but is actually a low quality question is like, where can I find my people? Because when you're asking yourself, where can I find my people? Where can I find my clients? Again, it sounds like a good tactical strategic problem to solve, but what's embedded in that question, not all the time, but a lot of times what can be embedded is like a frustration of like, I don't know where to find them that they're somehow out there missing that I have to go find as opposed to your people being like right where you are. They're all around you. They're already in your orbit, right? And instead of leading to actionable things that you can try out, when you ask yourself like, where are my people? More often than not, in, in what I've seen from, from my clients and the people in my community, what I see happen is that they just kind of end up spinning out in doubt and indecision and, and confusion. Like, I don't know where they are. Are they on Instagram? Are they on Twitter? Are they on TikTok? Are they on Facebook? Are they, should I do a, a podcast? Like, is that what, how people gather? Like anything that doesn't lead to a calm, focused, okay, like this is what I'm going to try next solution probably is a, is a low quality question. Anything that leads to kind of like frenetic activity, like even though I just switched social media strategies last week, I'm going to change it once again, because even though I've only been trying Instagram for a week, I'm not getting enough clients. So clearly it isn't working. I'm not getting enough engagement. It's not working. So I'm going to go do YouTube instead. Like if you find yourself flip-flopping a lot, it's probably a sign that you are spending time answering a lot of low quality questions that your brain is presenting you with. So high quality questions come from a spirit of curiosity. And remember, if it feels like frustration or doubt or anxiety, that's not real curiosity. That's like low quality curiosity. High quality curiosity comes from a kind of, hmm, to me, it usually feels like like a warm, open, expanded, sometimes even playful, lighthearted kind of investigation. Like, hmm, I wonder, right? Like you're solving a puzzle. You are trying to fit the pieces together and it feels lighthearted. It feels fun. It feels like a fun challenge as opposed to, oh, why can't I figure this out, Right? Let's say you wrote some copy and it did not create the kind of engagement you wanted. Nobody's responding. Nobody's reaching out to you, even though you really wanted them to, right? So a low quality question might be like, why isn't this working or something like that? But a higher quality question comes from a different assumption like, hmm, I'm not going to take this as a failure, which is what a lot of people do. I'm not going to assume that this didn't work. What I am going to assume is that this did work and that I'm going to learn something from it, right? This is going to be a useful data point for me. So I might ask, so if lots of things about it worked and people, you know, I didn't get the responses I wanted, then what could I tweak next? What can I try next time? 
right? So let me look at the copy that I wrote and where if I were to reread it from the eyes of, you know, somebody who's randomly scrolling, what's compelling about it? What's maybe less compelling about it? Let me read it again with fresh eyes. You see the kind of questions that I'm asking, the kind of things that I'm saying to myself are coming from a calm energy of like, yeah, it's working. And let me figure out how to learn from it. So the whole it's working and let me figure out how to learn from it is the energy that creates high quality questions. What can I learn from this? What about this can inform my next attempt? In my process of creating my program and writing the copy for my program and selling it, that led to my multiple six-figure launches, I spent a lot of time asking myself high-quality questions and just giving my brain space and time to answer them. And it's very important for me. So I'm going to emphasize that I gave myself, my brain, lots of time and space to answer high-quality questions. A lot of us ask ourselves high-quality questions, and then we don't get the immediate satisfaction of amazing answers right away from our brain, and then we get frustrated and we slip back down into low-quality questions. But the nature of high-quality questions is that they can take a while to answer. It Sometimes you have to sit with it for a while. Sometimes you have to think about it for a while. You have to like be able to like sleep on it and think about it again. And those high quality questions are juicy enough that that process can even feel fun. So the first step to being very effective at making your people's lives better and creating such amazing solutions that they have to be in high demand is to ask yourself high quality questions from a spirit of lighthearted, you know, expansive curiosity, knowing that what you're already doing is working and you're just asking yourself questions to be able to inform your next iteration, to be able to improve on that next time. And here's the natural second step. Once you've asked yourself lots of high quality questions and once your brain has come up with some answers, second step is to do brave things to test your ideas in reality, not just in your brain. Now, I already said, just because your brain created some high-quality questions, it doesn't mean high-quality, amazing, clarifying answers are going to rain down from the sky. That sometimes happens, but not often enough, right? So what you got to do next is test those ideas in real life. That means that if you have an idea of like, okay, I, I think that the reason that this copy didn't get as many responses as I hoped is because of the way I worded my offer. And I think I'm going to try wording my offer a different way and uh, based on these reasons. And that's what I'm going to try next time. And you have to actually go do it <laughs> to find out whether it's going to work or not. And what a lot of people do is that because they feel uncertain about whether that next attempt is going to work, they just get anxious about it and they just don't do it, right? So maybe your brain tells you, hey, you've been writing a lot. What would it be like if you also tried going live? What if you also tried video? And instead of just taking brave action to test that idea in reality, 
you just think to yourself, okay, um, well, I don't know, like that sounds scary. <laughs> I'll do it when I feel confident, right? Like that is not being brave and testing your, your idea in reality. That's letting your idea live in your brain where it helps nobody and it has the potential to change nothing for anybody, right? So the whole point of asking high quality questions is that it leads to high quality experiments, right? So number one, high quality questions. Number two, high quality experiments where you test those ideas out in real life with real world consequences. So what makes an experiment high quality as opposed to low quality? Again, it's the underlying energy. It's your emotions. Are you doing it? from a graspy, anxious, desperate place where you feel like nothing is working and you just, you know, are bringing that frustration to it? Or are you conducting this experiment with a lighthearted attitude like, hey, I'm going to try this. And in my own famous words, (laughs) it's just pixels on the fucking internet. (laughs) It's not some anti-nuclear proliferation treaty negotiation. It's just pixels on the internet, if you write some copy and it doesn't go anywhere, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody's going to die. Nobody's going to get sick. There's no war that's going to break out. There's no plague that's going to descend upon us. The world's not going to end. Polar bears aren't going to die. Like literally, nobody cares. Nothing happens if you write less than stellar copy. Okay? So <laughs> remind yourself of all of that. And I, I make jokes to to lighten the mood a little bit because we can all take it so seriously. So when you're able to take that experiment, I'm going to try this. I'm going to try that, right? From a spirit of curiosity. And when it, when it doesn't immediately yield the result I want, I'm not going to despair about it. I'm just going to assume that something about it worked that I don't know exactly. It doesn't matter. Something about it worked that I'm going to learn from it and add it to my data points. I'm going to go out and create as many data points as possible. So I can learn as much as possible. So my, my each attempt is going to get better and better, right? So that's that you bring that scientific spirit of compassionate, expansive, loving, forward-moving curiosity to your game, doing brave things to test your ideas in reality. That's step two to being very effective at making your people's lives better. And you, if you're doing it right, you're going to encounter lots of surprises, right? Oftentimes I will have an idea in my brain. I'll wake up with a brilliant idea and I will say, this is what the world needs to hear. This is going to be the thing that solves everybody's problems. And then I would create a thing and I would post it. And then "Mm, lackluster response. I'd be like, oh no, what happened? I thought that was so great. It sounded so great in my own brain. (laughs) Other times I would just have like a throwaway idea or something that doesn't feel very brilliant, something that just feels like, eh, whatever. And I would just post it just because, eh, whatever. And it turns out to be the thing that goes viral. Everybody's like, oh my God, that was so helpful. Oh my God, that thing that you shared totally helped me to go sign a client. Like, you never know. That's why you have to be playful and brave when you do experiments. You can't be married to your own hypotheses. You can't be obsessed with like, I think this is good, so it has to be good. I don't think this is good, so I I don't think it's going to work. You have to let the world teach you. You have to let reality, um, let your ideas meet reality and get more and more information so that you can continue to refine your own judgment of what's going to work and what's not. 
That's all part of the process. All right. And here is the third and last step to being amazing at making your people's lives better is to love where you are and love what your business is. Now, I actually think that this might be the first step <laughs> because loving your business now and loving where you are now makes it so much easier to do the other steps, which is to ask yourself high quality questions and to conduct high quality experiments. But I wanted to put it last because that's kind of what I, what I wanted to leave you with. People hear about you know, the stories of, let's say, my six-figure launches, and then they get very anxious, like where they are isn't good enough, and I need to scale as fast as possible, and I my business is not good enough until, and I only have this many clients, and I'm so far from that. And people get into a place of compare and despair. People get into a place of like, what I have right now isn't good enough, and I won't be good enough. I won't be happy until I get there. My friends, let me be very clear. That kind of thinking is poison. That kind of thinking is dead end thinking. When you don't love where you are, when you think it will be better over there, it's very difficult to ask yourself high quality questions because you're just asking all your questions out of anxiety and frustration and not good enough. And the rest of the domino effect is that you don't get high quality answers. You don't conduct high quality experiments. You don't learn anything. You don't get better at what you do. Nothing about your business moves forward. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of that I did was that when I was doing one-on-one coaching and I had a full calendar of 20 plus one-on-one clients, I loved that. I was so proud of myself for having created that. And I was so honored to serve all of these clients, each of whom had given me money because they trusted me so much to help them with their problem. That I consider that such a big honor. When I was even further back, like when I only had a handful of clients, again, I was so honored that those handful of clients trusted me with their problems. I like wanted to be a life coach so badly. I wanted to be paid to be a life coach so badly. That was like such a, felt like an impossible pipe dream for so long that I couldn't believe that I was actually making any kind of money, that people were giving me actual hard-earned, cold, hard cash for me to help them with their lives. Like that was a thrill. I loved being the coach with a handful of clients. I loved it. And guess what? Even before that, when I had, let's say, zero clients, which was me for many years, like I wanted to be a coach, but nobody was hiring me. I had no idea how to go about creating clients. Of course, I wanted to create clients, but back then I was enjoying where I was because I was having fun figuring out how to self-express on social media, on email, right? I was having fun expressing myself in different ways and finding my voice and connecting with people and creating relationships and having fun and, you know, bringing the party to wherever I was. And I had no idea that I was going to be successful. I had no idea that I was going to be making this kind of money. I didn't even know it was possible to make this kind of money. All I knew was what was fun about that situation that I was in. So I get lots of questions about this, but I decided to transition to group coaching from one-on-one coaching, 
not because I didn't want to do one-on-one coaching anymore. I loved one-on-one coaching. I loved every single one of my clients. I just loved everything about it. And I, for a long while, I thought I would never transition into group coaching just because I loved one-on-one coaching so much. And I loved it so much because I found so much about it that I wanted to love, right? If you're like, oh, I don't love one-on-one coaching so much. I get this a lot from the coaches that I coach. Like I, it takes so much of my time. It's exhausting. Well, guess what? The problem is not one-on-one coaching. It's your thoughts. If you're finding a lot about your current business that you don't like, guess what? When you change business models, all of that's going to come with you. It might take different forms, but if you're not managing your mind around it, if you're not intentionally choosing thoughts to create love, appreciation, gratitude, a sense of wonderment, I promise you things are not going to suddenly get better and magical because you are working less hours and making more money or whatever it is. All the things that you think are going to be solved when you scale, guess what? All your existing problems are going to come with you because they're created by your mind, not your business model. Just assume that whatever the there is, when you get there, it's not going to be better than here. So might as well figure out a way to enjoy where you are now. Like I thought I was going to have so much time if I'm not coaching 20 plus hours a week anymore because I only spend, you know, less than a handful of hours directly coaching a week now. And I was like, oh my God, what am I gonna, even going to do with my time? I'm going to have so much time. And guess what? I don't have so much time <laughs> because for where I am in my business now, I have so much creation to do. I have to manage things at a different level, but I have just as many things to do. And if I haven't taught my own brain how to manage itself, then there will be a new level of stress, a new level of anxiety that would just break me, right? Or it would make me yearn for another version of there will be better than here. So I can't stress enough the importance of loving where you are and being aware enough as a life coach, being onto yourself, having enough clarity into your own mind to see that your circumstances of however many clients you have, however much money you've made, however much time you're spending on your business, those things are not responsible for you feeling good and feeling in love with your business. You get to choose to think that your business is amazing and that you love being where you are no matter what. I just told you, even when I had zero clients and zero money from coaching business and had like from the outside, it looked like nothing. I still was enjoying myself. I was loving learning what I was learning at that stage. I wasn't in a hurry to get somewhere else thinking that it was going to be better. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I still really wanted to achieve those goals, but The point is that I wasn't so miserable where I was that I was in a hurry to get out of it. And from that sort of miserable, anxious, I'm in a hurry to get there vibe, it slows down coaches more than anything else I've seen. So know that it is an option to love where you are. I don't care what your circumstances are. Really. What if that were true? What if all the things preventing you from loving your business where it is right now is created from your mind and therefore you can uncreate it? Here's what happens when you love where you are in your business is that you enjoy yourself. You have fun. And when you're having fun, that's magnetic. 
nothing is less attractive than a life coach who like hates where they are. (laughs) Come on, it's like common sense, right? And when you are loving where you are, you are fully present. Like you're really able to be with what the universe is showing you is your learning. You're fully able to be with the people who you can serve, who are right in front of you. You really miss all of that when you think something is missing. When you think, I won't be happy until I get there. I won't feel good enough until I get there. You miss all the opportunities, all the love, all the learning, all of the celebration, and all of the growth that's in front of you right now. When you start to decide to love where you are, all of that suddenly becomes, it's kind of like going from, you know, like black and white to full color. It's kind of like going from like a low definition to high definition. All of the things that are waiting to nourish you, all of the ways the universe is showing you love, your business is showing you love, you see it when you didn't see it before. When you love your business exactly where it is today. And that is a fantastic place to figure out, to kind of like problem solve on behalf of your clients. That is a fantastic place to ask yourself high quality questions and conduct high quality experiments. That's a fantastic place to become more effective at solving problems for your clients every day. Loving where you are today, loving what your business looks like today with all of the circumstances attached to it, nothing more powerful. So my friends, that really is how I created my multiple six-figure launches this year. And I have no doubt that when I'm creating multiple millions, which is going to be soon, it's going to be the exact same fucking formula. Loving where I am now so much and wanting things to be better for the people I serve. So constantly asking myself higher quality questions in service of them and conducting high quality experiments which always produces like all this trifecta is going to produce so much learning. It's going to produce so much growth, so much high quality thinking. It's going to make you even more in demand, like every step of the process, wherever you are. So I hope this serves you. I hope you take this and apply it to whatever stage of business you're in. And if you follow this, you will be in a place where you're also caught in a happy surprise like me. It's like, oh my gosh, I was just focusing on making my clients' lives better. I was just focusing on delivering the best solutions because I'm, as a life coach, I'm so happy when my people are happy. (laughs) And look what I just made, a whole bunch of money. Where did that come from? (laughs) This is going to be the happy surprise that you get to have as a bonus side effect when you follow these guidelines. All right, my friends, that's it for this week. And I'll talk to you next time. Hey, if you want a shot of fresh inspiration and actionable tips to improve your marketing every single week in your inbox, you better get on my email list. Sign up to receive my free ebook called 20 Unsolicited Copy Tips. It's been known to get people to come out of the woodwork and ask to work with you. So get on that link in the show notes and I'll see you in your inbox next time. Stop if you just call my-